Welcome to the Global Business Insights Podcast, brought to you by PSL. I'm your host, Max Kent, and I'll be joined by my co-host, Dr. Charlotte de Brabant. In Series 2, Beyond Business, we delve into the captivating journeys of the world's most exceptional business leaders, entrepreneurs and professionals. Our mission is not only to ignite inspiration and knowledge for the next generation, but also to illuminate the path for those currently navigating challenges. Join us as we uncover the remarkable stories that transcend traditional business narratives and offer a beacon of hope and guidance. Welcome to the show today, Michael. We're excited to have you join us to discuss your work with Finance Transformation UK and your insights on how to very much transform finance for the better. It's great to have you on the podcast, Michael. Really excited for this one. Obviously, we've um, spent a fair bit of time together recently and um, it's been fantastic um, learning more about your work and your journey. Um, are you able to share a little glimpse into your background at all and some of the diverse experiences you gained throughout your career for our listeners, please? I can indeed. Uh, first of all, thanks for inviting me on and uh, hello to your listeners. I am a management consultant, have been for most of the last 20 years. I formed Finance Transformation UK uh, actually when COVID hit uh, in response to the pandemic as a means of promoting my own independent consulting work. And what I did was following having had a career in the UK, which went from I was an accountant when I was younger for a Whitbread Beer Company, Spent five years with them, absolutely fascinating place to work. Living an Irishman in charge of a brewery was was uh, <laughs> possibly not the best thing to do. <laughs> um, five years working for Argos, where I got exposure to running financial services programs, which I spent a lot of time doing since. Five years working for Deloitte and its management consulting division dedicated to helping global, si- global clients go on their global business services journey. Two years with Logica doing something similar and the last 10 years doing it independently for myself. Wow, fantastic. Well, it's a great pleasure to have you here with us and what an inspirational background. Um, So maybe you could just explain a little bit. So what is Finance Transformation UK all about? Well, very, very simply, myself and my main business partner, Mark Saywell, were both former big four consultants and our entire career has been built running transformation programs uh, within the finance function. We're both accountants by background. Uh, so I've been transform- transforming large-scale finance functions, uh, mid-sized to large corporates for the bones of the last 20 years. When COVID hit, we were both operating independently and we decided we would we needed a brand and we needed a route to market. Um, we put our heads together and we came up with the brand name, Finance Transformation UK, which very, very simply, uh, it does what it says on the tin. We transform finance and we predominantly aimed at UK clients. Um, in order to get it off the ground, about seven or eight of us got together on an associate basis. And one of the things we did to promote ourselves was launch the Finance Transformation magazine, all of the editions of which are available on our website, financetransformation.co.uk. Uh, the magazine really and truly opened us up to acquiring partners uh, right across the gamut of transformation, not just finance, which is as a result why I've met uh, Max and many more along the way. And essentially, we we offer the level and background of service that you would expect from a big four consulting firm, obviously at a slightly more competitive price and married to the fact that we have direct operational experience. Because an awful lot of consultants 
they will borrow your watch to tell you the time, but they don't know how to build a watch. Uh, I've spent at least 10 or 15 years running finance teams for clients. I know how to actually change the team without touching the system. So we transform the organization, the process and the system. But we don't necessarily say implementing software is the first answer to anything. That's what we're about. Fantastic. Thanks, Michael. And um, recently, um, there's been a lot of visibility and coverage on online, LinkedIn and the other social channels on the series of finance uh, transformation industry events you've been conducting. Most recently, mm -hmm. they've been at uh, Manchester United's Old Trafford and Aston Villa, and I've uh, had the privilege to attend both of those. They were hugely insightful sessions. Um, but for our audience, uh, if they want to find out more, if they want to view the content, we want to find out more about attending those events or mm -hmm. their scheduled to support. What would you what would you say to those people who want to get involved? Very, very simply, all of our material will shortly be on our website, financetransformation.co.uk. There is a fair element of it already there. Um, I usually believe in hosting events and using multiple forms of media in order to promote what we do. So I personally, apart from being a professional speaker on the side, have recorded an awful lot of video um, with subject matter content, nice and easy to absorb in 30 to 60 seconds. And it's all over our website. And the idea behind the event was, I know so many people, so you can also connect with me on LinkedIn, so I'm Michael Ryan on LinkedIn. Um, I know so many people, I have such a wide network, haven't worked uh, on all these projects over the last 25 years that I wanted to bring them together and introduce them to each other. So the benefit of working for a large consultant firm is you just basically get to turn to one of your colleagues. They will have a, We will have an expert in, in any area. When you go to work for yourself, that's only as strong as the people that you know. And I know some very, very good people. So the two major events that we run this year, which you alluded to, one at Old Trafford, as I'm a lifelong Manchester United fan, and the second one most recently at the home of Aston Villa, um, was to demonstrate the quality and caliber of individuals that I know so that when I go in to work with one of my clients, these are the type of people that I will tap on the shoulder to help me with, or indeed that they will have suitable products and services that my own clients would benefit from being aware of. So it's very much a case of I introduce good people to good people. And then when we have client work to be done, we get to leverage that as indeed we have done most recently with yourself and several other members of the groups that were there in both Old Trafford and Aston Villa. Fantastic. And Michael, how does Finance Transformation UK help businesses overcome these challenges? Well, primarily we do this based on experience. Now, I've, I've, I've had an interesting career. The initial part of my career was what we, what we describe as working in industry. So that means basically you, you qualified as an accountant. You then went into work for a standard business. So in my case, it was Whitbread Beer Company, fascinating FMCG experience. Um, and then after that, it was Argos, retail experience. And we learned how to run change programs. Um, you then fundamentally become something different when you go to work for a consultancy. Um, and there's, there's always a perception of consultants that they have a standard approach to something um, but this is based on a, a vast amount of client exposure and examples and experience. And when you get over the, some people have a little bit of reluctance to deal with consultancies. When you get over that, there's a wealth of information and experience you can draw upon. And what I've tried to do is combine the two. So I'm a reasonably personable individual and I'm used to leading big teams. So I bring that operational expertise to bear in solving problems 
where the standard answer is not that we implement a new ERP system. So clients would regularly give me teams of 100, 150 people to transform for them. And the reason I am so successful at doing that is I know what it takes to do their individual jobs, which means it's easier and faster for me to transform them into high-performing teams. It's that operational experience allied to a big four approach to doing work, which actually leads to some fantastic results. And that's how we make a difference in transforming finance functions. I think it's really clear to see how much businesses can benefit from um, the sort of expertise you can bring into this with uh, the people you know and your own expertise. And um, so what specifically are some of those benefits that businesses can really achieve through that financial transformation journey, do you think? There's a couple of interesting ones. Um, aside from, you know, the standard response, I'll tell you, you'll end up with a leaner, meaner, fitter, faster finance function. It will do the jobs that it was doing before. Um, in a better way, in a more cost-effective way on behalf of the business, that's the standard stuff. I mean, basically, if a consultant can't do that for you, then, you know, there's something wrong. I like to look at it from the the people perspective. I actually love managing teams. I've managed a whole load of sports teams as well, and I've always found that highly enjoyable. One of the things that I bring to this is the ability to free talent. Generally, what I find in organizations that haven't been transformed at all or haven't been transformed in a great period of time is that the middle management suppress the lower the lower ranked individuals, should we say, um, and that within an awful lot of them is an awful lot of potentially thwarted ambition, enthusiasm, and so on. So what I do is I empower these people. Um, and one of the ways that I brought to doing this uh, most recently when I was running the shared service center, about 200 staff in it was, I took the George Orwell approach or the animal farm approach and I created what I call the management academy. Now, very, very simply what this was in a large scale team, it was all of the junior members of staff who didn't have any staff management responsibility. And I said to them, look, I'll give you a room for two hours every two weeks on a Friday. I'm not going to give you an agenda and I'm not going to let your managers into the room. Do what you want with the two hours. You'll either go in and play or you'll go in and you'll eventually see the cream rise to the top and you'll come back to me with ideas. And what happened was actually quite interesting because the group, as all groups do, form a natural pecking order. And then they said about going, well, we're not going to sit here and waste two hours. He's obviously sent us in here in order to see what we can do. And they became switched on. And um, they basically came back to me with savings ideas with regards to process and efficiency that I hadn't thought of. Because naturally enough, I'm not sat there doing the basic transactional job every day. They are. But previously, they potentially weren't being listened to or they weren't being given the forum in which to express themselves. And my attitude is very, very simple. I want all of this to work better than it did yesterday. And how that's achieved might on occasions be slightly unconventional. Um, But it's achieved by switching on the staff. Basically having that light bulb moment where they go, they want to come to work because they don't know what you're going to challenge them with today. Um, and that's how I operate. Fantastic. Um, that really sounds like a lot of potential value. Um, Michael, maybe you could just explain a little bit uh, or elaborate who is actually Finance UK typically uh, working with? Uh, well, we work with large companies, um, and I probably, if I was to put a, a metric on it, it would be kind of a minimum of 200 million turnover a year. Um, we typically deal with businesses who have finance functions of a minimum of 50 staff. 
Um, so re reasonably, I would say the FTSE 250 is our sweet spot in terms of the client base that we go after. And I always point out to people, which may go over a lot of people's heads, that there is a good 20,000 businesses in the UK that are defined as medium. They're in that bracket. Um, so that's quite a big space to play in. And then it might not all be household names and they might never have been transformed in the past or in certain instances, we end up transforming teams that have been transformed by other consultancies. Um, but that is that is the area in which we play. The FTSE 100, the top businesses, the FTSE 30, should we say, the area of our league, and we don't have any issue with that. That's left for the big four firms. Um, and we play in the space immediately below that, which to be honest is quite substantial and quite large. So we end up running across different sectors. We're not specific um, in any particular sector that we focus on. Um, and we've had a high degree of success over the last three years since we formed Finance Transformation UK as a brand in areas as diverse as higher education, financial services, um, automotive leasing, um, and some public sector work as well. So that, we're, we're not working with the top 30 businesses in the company, or sorry, in the country. Um, that might be an ambition, but I'm, I'm realistic in how I go about things. I know exactly where the sweet spot is that I'm aiming for. Uh, and it is more that FTSE 250 size and just immediately below it. Makes absolute sense. And I think, you know, those those large companies, same with my business, that a lot of those large companies at least think they've got themselves sewn up and have yeah. probably got themselves, hopefully not. But, you know, in some of the cases I've worked with, tied up in so many knots that there's no way mm -hmm. that anyone else externally can really help them and they've got to sort their own mess out. There's a lot of medium companies, size companies out there that really can benefit from the external experience. There's, there's one minor, there's one minor exception to that, just to, right. to highlight. Mm. So we always say to people that what we do is, because we're a small boutique consultancy, we do assessment to assurance. So we can start you off on a transformation program, regardless of finance size that you have. But what we also find is that an awful lot of clients require a second opinion on what they're doing. So they require what we refer to as project assurance. So we have on multiple occasions over the last uh, 10 years been involved in instances in which we have, shall we say, given a second view, uh, run our eyes over um, feasibility studies produced by one of the big four firms. And the reason why people have, have turned to us to perform this level of exercise is we're completely familiar with how those teams built those feasibility studies in the first place. So we know how they did it, how they went about it, what the formula is, um, and we can check it in a fraction of the time. So that is one element in which we do stray into the FTSE 100, um, but they're shorter term pieces of work. Typically, you can do a piece of project assurance in somewhere between eight to 12 weeks. Um, the rest of our work is more longer term transformation programs, and as everybody knows, to run a full-scale transformation program takes you a minimum of a year. Just quickly for our listeners as well, because this is something I learned when I was speaking to you on the question of assurance. Mm -hmm. I didn't actually know that that existed until I met you and probably yeah. my own my own kind of learning as well. But could you just quickly, before I ask the next question, just outline to our listeners what assurance is in, in financial transformation? Yeah, so essentially, like all major change programs, they require a, an opening business case why are we doing this? How are we going to do it? What's it going to cost? What's the plan? That would be devised by um, a large firm, obviously on the basis that they want to run the entire transformation program. 
what we do is we give, first of all, a second opinion on what the plan and the roadmap is and the um, direction of travel. Um, and that gives reassurance to the client, or as it has in at least three occasions, it's led to a change of direction right at the start. So if you if we took it very, very simplistically and said that uh, one of the big four firms might give you a feasibility study on a global shared services project and that might cost you about 400 grand, we would know where to look to double check, second opinion, sense check that for a fraction of the price and in a fraction of the time. And they really do find that highly beneficial to have that second pair of eyes placed on it. Um, it then kicks in at other points during the transformation program. Obviously, all projects have an initial vision, plan, roadmap, uh, justification stage. And then you go into the real the real heart of a project where the muck and bullets are flying, as they say. And frequently, projects require corrective action. And they require somebody else to step in in order to get it back on track. Um, or indeed to highlight a key phases in design or implementation uh, where you've got to watch out for the landmines. And we can do that. We've done that regularly as well over the years. Generally, we find that the, these are short-term pieces of work for us to deploy what is quite a substantial knowledge base and uh, experience. So the client really seriously gets high value for money out of it. It's not a regular thing that's necessarily done unless you've worked for one of the consultancies because you don't know the background and how they've gone about uh, doing the first phase of the project themselves. Um, that's why it's probably less known, should we say. Yeah, yeah, it's fascinating to me because it's, it's, you know, these projects are huge and can have yes. huge benefits, we know, but... And are highly um, expensive. Yes. Well, exactly, and it can cause, uh, you know, a lot of issues and if if they go wrong. For, and so that assurance and that checking, I think, is, is crucial, but I didn't know it existed before. Mm. So... Mm. I think following on from that, what what are some of the other sort of exciting trends you're starting to see in finance transformation right now? Is there anything that you're seeing come out of maybe automation or AI or any of the technologies coming through that's helping the journey you are? Yes, I mean, there's some. We live in a fascinating age, and I'm sure it was a, fine, a Chinese philosopher who said you should always live in interesting times. Mm -hmm. um, we do. We are actually at possibly one of the most advanced stages in human development on the technology side. And, and literally it's starting to cross over the AI, the robotics, the capability to perform tasks that were basically human centric always up until this point. They have been um, usurped. And this has a couple of effects. One is quite frightening for, for individuals concerned. And indeed, as, as I age myself, I look at it and I look at the pace of change and I go, wow, how do I keep up with this? But when you're running a change program, the basics remain the same. At the end of the day, every organization is currently populated by people. And the biggest challenge is never the technology. The, ch the challenge, the technology is at the end of the day, some form of an enabler. Um, the biggest challenge is always how you get the people to change. So some of the new technologies that have come along, ChatGTP, AI, et cetera, they can augment how we want to deliver change um, by making some of it easier to deliver, some of it more interesting to deliver, some of it in, in means which are easier to absorb. Uh, I'll just give you some very, very simple examples. Uh, we leverage, we have a very innovative approach to how we do things. And on all programs, you will have communication streams and a communication across a program, across a substantial body of people, it's important to get right. It's always traditionally just been done by sending an email to as many people as possible. 
we've actually leveraged what we did in creating Finance Transformation magazine at the start. And we have adapted that to make communication material for clients. And I was talking recently to a CFO, not a FTSE 100, but it's a, it's a global-based company. And he was absolutely stunned at the caliber of material we produced for him, basically to send the communication to his suppliers. And he picked it up and he looked at it and he went, oh my God, this is, this is as if I'd walked into the shop and bought myself a magazine. That's the quality of it. And I said, well, that's the quality we gave you because you must... Um, you obviously take the relationship with your suppliers very, very seriously. So we took very, very seriously the development of a communication on your behalf to your suppliers. We didn't just go with the bog standard, well, let's prepare an email. Um, and so this is where we're using different means of uh, delivering a message. So the other thing we've experimented an awful lot with is video. Um, frequently when I was running change programs when I was younger, one of the big ways in which we would get change across, particularly in a geographically diverse organization, is we would go and visit the sites. And this would always earn you the respect of the staff concerned. These days, we can either, obviously, we can do a Teams meeting, we can do video conferencing, but we can actually create video. It's very, very easy to create video to put your message across, as indeed is illustrated by the two conferences we've held this year. Yeah. Because we want to put the message as far and as wide as possible in the easiest way possible. If you consider then what COVID brought in in 2020 in bringing to a complete standstill how you could move around for a minimum of three months, um, you need to have embraced technology in order to keep, one, your company moving, keep the business as usual actually ticking over. And two, if you're still running transformation programs in the midst of this, say this was to happen again, you really seriously know how to leverage technology. Um, so you don't need to be, you don't need to be a techie you don't need to be a technophobe either. You just need to embrace the fact that there is a new means of delivering what you've been doing for 25 years. And actually then it becomes quite interesting indeed to do it. That's fascinating. Um, Michael, so what advice would you give to businesses that are considering a finance transformation? Uh, I always say that there are three, there are three clear things that you must get right in every single transformation program. They apply as much to the individual, by the way, if you ever wanted to change yourself, as indeed we all do from time to time. The first thing is you must always know what the exam question is. So we go back to school. We need to define what the problem is. Many people drift into running large scale transformation programs because they think they know what the problem is. So therefore they think they know what the solution is and they get both of these things wrong. And in the opening part or the design phase, the blueprinting phase, where we blue sky think about what this, what we would like this to be and what the future of a finance function could look like. Um, if you don't ground that in the reality of, well, do you mind actually uh, documenting what the problem is? You're never going to know what success is like 12 to 18 to two years, 12 to 18 months or two years down the line. So we always stop clients right at the beginning and go, explain to me what the problem is. And an awful lot of what I listened to at the start is what I would basically refer to as anecdotal evidence. Is where you've had, a, so all accountancy functions function on a period reporting of either monthly, quarterly, etc. And they've had a bad experience, or they failed to communicate with each other, or they failed to hit their deadlines, or one of the systems let them down. And then there's, because finance is, is deadline driven, this can get very, very um, problematic uh, can get quite emotional and it most definitely gets quite stressful for the individuals concerned. 
and then they decide, okay, we need to do a change program in order to do something about it. And I always bring them back to that and I go, right, okay, so that happened potentially on one day in certain circumstances. Now just describe for me exactly what you think is the issue and let's see if we can measure it. So that initial stage of going beyond the evidence of what I would consider to be an emotional response down to something that is documented in, at the end of the day, in numbers, um, is the first part. Define for me the exam question, what the problem is. The second part then, logically enough, is to um, explain what the vision is. So what do you think the future is going to look like? And I generally find that people who start a transformation program, particularly within the businesses themselves, are not the people that are there at the end of them because they're so lengthy. But it's very, very important that you actually are crystal clear on what it is you're looking to achieve. What do you want your finance team to look like? How do you want it to work? How do you want it to perform? Uh, 18 months, two years down the line. And what indeed do you expect it to go through in the interim? And you have to crystallize that down in many instances to either a phrase or an image um, as to what it is you think is, is, is what you're trying to achieve. If we're not all clear on what we're trying to achieve, you have no hope of achieving it. And these are very, very, what you would think are very, very simple things. And they get glossed over to a colossal degree in running programs. People get target fixated on the fact that they're going to implement software. And then the default thinking process becomes the software solves the problem. If you didn't define the problem in the first place, you have no idea whether the software solved it. And that happens an awful lot. The third tip that I would put across is, and you need to spend the time on your operating model. So if your exam question is a definition of what your problem is, your vision is what it is you think the future looks like. The operating model is the blueprint by which you're going to get there. But how are you going to actually do this? And a lot of people, again, they jump to defining what the target operating model is, which is you know how the structure will look like after a period of time. And they don't spend sufficient time looking at the current operating model because they come at it from a point of view which says, this is broken, so we're going to leave it because when we move to the new life, everything's going to be better. Now, if you don't study what's broken, you're only going to repeat it when you move to the next one. So it's very, very important to study the current operating model of a business, even if you want to sit there and whinge and moan and say that it's broken very well. Document where you think it's broken, or you'll never prove that's fixed. So those are the three main tips I always say to everybody running a program. Got nothing to do with systems and absolutely everything down to your ability to articulate what your problem is and how you're going to fix it. That's amazing because yet again, I think in a lot of these podcasts, we've had similar discussions on that particular uh, guest's technology or area of expertise. And a lot of the time, even if they are heavily involved in software and AI, it comes back to people and mm. that defined objective and setting goals and setting, you know, there's so many projects that happen and we see uh, putting into fruition where it's about, you know, we think it will do X, Y, Z, but there's no real defined objective or no sort of goal for it. And I think, again, everything you said, that makes total sense is about working mm. with people to lead them to, you know, essentially a brighter future, isn't it? Yes, yes. And it's it's just... It's getting them to do the piece. This is very, very simple to put across. If I decided in the morning that I needed to lose weight, I decided that because I looked in the mirror. Yeah. And what you're doing when you run a change program is you're forcing the client to look in the mirror. And you'd be amazed, no matter how well clients get paid, they still don't like looking in the mirror. Do you, if you have a problem? No. It's natural human um, reaction. No, I don't want to look at it. I don't want to be reminded I've got a problem. 
So partly you are to start forcing them to go, where are we actually at here? Let's be honest with ourselves. Then let's put in train tomorrow what we're going to do about it. Absolutely. And I think obviously the way you laid it out in those steps as well, I think I haven't heard it described like that. So I think um, that hopefully will help people see that logical timeline of how they how they approach what what is actually a huge project. And it's that big change. That's what scares people. And you're leading them through that change. So I think that's um, fantastic advice. Um, thank you so much for sharing your in, insights with us, Michael. Um, have you got any other parting advice or words of wisdom before we sign off for the day at all? Um, be open to change. You know, be prepared to go down the journey. Be honest with yourself. Uh, be honest with your teams. Uh, there is a tendency in running large change programs that they have to be run in a broom cupboard. So the upper echelons of a business like to work out what they think the problem is and then work out what they think the answer is and they don't involve a sufficient swathe of the management team to um, road test that so one of the things that we offer clients is the challenge session so when the top boss the ceo or the cfo has decided this is the direction of travel and i want my people to follow me we take them aside for a day's workshop and we put that through the ringer and we, we challenge it from all angles and that will lead to them changing elements of their plan and in one or two instances it led to them changing the direction of travel full stop um so i cannot underestimate cannot overestimate the value in having another uh experienced consultant look at what it is you're planning to do that's the, the single greatest piece of advice i give anybody thank you so much michael for all the listeners for joining in once again yeah you're more than welcome more than welcome thanks very much michael thanks again and we'll see you next time thanks everyone brilliant great stuff thanks very much Thank you for joining us on this enlightening episode of the Global Business Insights Podcast. Stay tuned for more inspiring stories and valuable insights that will continue to guide and uplift you on your journey.